Last week we opened to John chapter 8, this chapter before us this morning, to consider, as I said, the second great I am statement as recorded uh, in this gospel. Here in verse 12, Jesus declares, really in no uncertain terms, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, he says, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This proclamation, like the other I am sayings, is of course packed with meaning and implication, presenting to us yet another facet of Christ and calling us to faith in Christ. Jesus is the light of the world and he promises life new and everlasting life with God to whomever will follow Him. Because Christ has come into our world, therefore, we need no longer fear the dark of death, but rather follow the light of life. So from this verse and other related portions of Scripture, we considered the call to walk in and shine forth the light of Christ, for only those whose lives have been set aflame by the light of the world can be effective lights to the world. As the passage unfolds, and as we've seen throughout John's Gospel, Jesus continues to testify to who He is and to what He does and to what we must do to be right with God. Namely, to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we might have life in His name. So to some degree, the verses before us this morning repeat some of what we've been learning all along. But now they're presented to us in the context of Jesus as the light of the world. I've titled this message, Christ's Witness as the Light, because here again Jesus reveals His divine origin, His divine mission, and His divine nature. Jesus is light from God sent by God because He is God. And let us therefore consider the witness of Christ with the prayer that we would witness Christ ourselves. Now remember that Jesus has been facing increasing opposition This opposition has come primarily from the Jewish authorities, from the religious establishment who took exception to Christ's ministry which didn't fit into the box of their making. They have been confronting Jesus repeatedly while attempting to stir the crowds against Jesus And yet, at every turn, Jesus turns the tables on them, exposing their hard and sinful hearts in their efforts to turn up the heat on Christ. It's them 
who usually find themselves on the hot seat. And so imagine for a moment if that was you. If you were one of these Jewish authorities, what would you do? If you were being exposed, if your sins, the hardness of your heart, was being brought to light, if you were being tried, as it were, in the court of public opinion, and you wanted to clear yourself of all charges, how would you respond? Well, in his commentary on John's Gospel, James Boyce suggests, I find it very interesting and insightful, suggests that you might do one of three things. First, you might attempt to eliminate all who testify against you. You might pay them off, for example. or intimidate, or threaten them, or perhaps even kill them. And sadly, we see and hear of things just like this happening even today. Second, you, you might attempt to discredit their character. You might try to expose the skeletons in their closet in the hope of rendering their testimony as unreliable. Or third, you might attempt to have their testimony thrown out of court on a technicality. If you were exposed and found yourself on the hot seat, you might be tempted to pursue one of these three things. And interestingly, this is exactly what the Jewish authorities did as they were exposed by the light of Christ. At first, they tried to eliminate him. We saw this in chapter 5 when they were seeking to kill him. And again in chapter 7 when they sought to arrest him. And when that failed, they tried to discredit him. They accused him of breaking God's law and of breaking their Sabbath laws. And in the beginning of chapter 8, they tried to trap him by bringing before him a woman caught in adultery. They wanted him to either free the woman and therefore show contempt for Jewish law or condemn the woman so they could charge him of breaking Roman law. Either way, their goal was to disparage and discredit his character. But when that also failed, they moved to plan C. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. As we come to verse 13. When Jesus claimed to be the light of the world, they tried to rebuff his testimony on a mere technicality. They said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. So your testimony is not true. So the issue here is, is Christ's witness valid or invalid? Is his testimony admissible 
or inadmissible. Their position was that it was invalid and therefore untrue because Jesus bore witness about himself and obviously had a vested interest. And so to them, Christ's testimony was insufficient and inadmissible. The unspoken question that hangs over this section is really one of reliability. Is Jesus a reliable witness? Can he be trusted? Is his testimony valid? And in verses 14 through 20, Jesus offers three credible supports that serve to validate his claim to be the light of the world. And the first of these is Christ's witness about himself that really emphasizes his divine origin. In verse 14, Jesus says in reply, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. Now earlier in chapter 5, verse 31, Jesus agreed that if he, if he was the only one who testified on his behalf, then his testimony would indeed be inadmissible in the court. So here in chapter 8, verse 14, he uses the words, even if, saying, in effect, even if only I bore witness about myself, which is not the case, but even if it were, it would still be true on the basis of where I come from. You see that? He's talking about heaven. About the fact that he has come from heaven to earth. I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. That's why they didn't get it. He draws a contrast between his self-knowledge and their lack of knowledge. Later in verse 23, he will draw a contrast between their earthly origin and his heavenly one. You are from below, he will say. I am from above. You are from this world. I am not of this world. So if we look at this in context, it makes sense, right? That the light of the world cannot be from the world. In other words, if Jesus were just a man like any other, then his so-called light would come from the same source as any other. Even if he were a great man, humanly speaking, he could never make the claims he made and be taken seriously. For who among us could stand and claim to be the light of the world? Who among us could promise the light of life to any who follow? Not even the very best among us, for even if you did, no one would take you seriously. Because we know the human condition. And we each contribute to it. 
We know all too well the darkness of sin and death. We know we live in a dark world. Therefore, the light must come from someplace else. The light of the world must be otherworldly. And Jesus is stressing this fact that he is not of this world because he has indeed come from heaven. The second support to Christ's credibility is the Father's witness about His Son, which I think speaks to Christ's divine mission. Jesus says in verses 17 and 18, In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true, so I am the one who bears witness about myself and the Father... Who sent me bears witness about me. Jesus is affirming that reliable testimony is, in fact, needed from at least two witnesses. So he is the first witness, while his Father in heaven is the second. Jesus testifies about himself, while the Father who sent him also testifies about him. How so? Well, consider the words of Christ. In verse 26, Jesus will say, I declare to the world what I have heard from the Father. Hence, the words of Christ are the words of God. To hear Jesus is to hear the voice of God. Hebrews 1 teaches that in former days God sent and spoke through the prophets, but now, having sent His Son, God speaks through His Son. God is bearing witness about His Son. Consider the works of Christ. At His baptism, the heavens opened, the Spirit of God descended upon Him, and a voice from heaven was heard saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And as Christ began His public ministry, the presence and power of God was with Him and upon Him. Every step of the way, the lame were made to walk, the blind were made to see, the hungry were fed, the lost were found, the dead were raised. The saving work of Christ was evident to all who had eyes to see and ears to hear because He was sent from God. And God was bearing witness. The Father who sent the Son bears witness to the Son. Now that should be enough for us. Shouldn't it? Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker that says, what does it say? It says, um, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Now, not to nitpick, but I actually think it's much simpler than that. I think the bumper sticker would be closer to the truth if it simply said, God said it. That settles it. Because at the end of the day, 
whether or not I believe it doesn't change the truth of it one iota. And the truth is that Jesus Christ has come from heaven as one sent by God. He seeks and He saves. His words and His works give ample testimony. He bears witness to Himself and the Father who sent Him bears witness about Him. The third support, I hope this is making sense to you. Good, okay, I'm seeing some, good, okay. I was talking to Sean toward the end of the week, and I just, Sean, you got to pray for me. I've been in this passage all week, and I think I get it, I think. But even if I get it, I'm not sure how to articulate it. So, God, help us. <laughs> the third support to Christ's claim to be the light of the world is... Okay, so we have Jesus bearing witness about Himself. We have the Father bearing witness about His Son. And then thirdly, this third support is the essential oneness between the Father and the Son. So the Pharisees continue to oppose him, saying in verse 19, Where is your Father? To which Jesus replies, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. In other words, Jesus is stressing His oneness with God. Which serves to emphasize His divine nature. Jesus is one with God in that they are of the same nature. The Apostle Paul writes of Jesus Christ, He is the image of the invisible God. The author of Hebrews states that Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. John begins this gospel by saying that Jesus was in the beginning with God and was God. Jesus himself will say in chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. Though two distinct persons, they are of one divine nature. Was not Christ's birth divine? as he was supernaturally conceived in the womb of a virgin? Was not his life divine? His words and his works that brought light and life from heaven was not his death divine? Listen, if Jesus was not divine, then his death cannot atone. 
What makes the death of Christ so powerful is that it was not a mere man who died, but God, the Son of God. Though he was in the form of God, that is, of the same nature as God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's what makes his death divine, the fact that the divine Son of God innocently suffered or substituted himself for sinners like us and suffered by bearing our sins? Was not his resurrection divine? When he conquered death? Was not his ascension divine when after repeat, uh, 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 appearing to hundreds in, resurrected, in his resurrected state, he ascended to heaven just as he said he would? And is he not divine this very day? As he reigns from the right hand of God, soon to return in glory. Yes, the Son is one with the Father. He is one with God. They are, this, they are of the same divine nature. So, again, the question, is Christ's claim to be the light of the world reliable? Is his testimony valid? Can he be trusted? And to these questions, Jesus offers three credible supports. His divine origin, his divine mission, and his divine nature. And finally, how might we apply this. I'm always hesitant to offer too many suggestions or even any because bottom line is we need God to apply this. But maybe as an encouragement to you, I want to suggest two things by way of application. Treasure Christ and trumpet Christ. In verse 20, John says that this interaction took place in the temple treasury. The treasury contained, as I understand it, contained 13 separate shafar-shaped receptacles into which the people would place their offerings. They were narrow at the top and wide at the bottom, and these receptacles were each marked for designated giving. So some were for the annual temple tribute. 
Some were to pay for the bird offerings. Some, or one was for the wood used in the temple. One was for the incense. One was for the golden vessels. And a few were designated for voluntary giving. You give as you feel led to give. And as I thought about that this week, and particularly yesterday, it just struck me as being a bit ironic. People were in the treasury and regularly gave to the treasury. This was good on their part, and I'm sure that most of them gave with all the right intentions, yet here they are in the treasury as Jesus, the treasure from heaven, is in their midst. They didn't give this treasure. No, God gave this treasure to them, and some of them missed it. Some of them believed, as we will see next time, but some didn't, though they religiously gave to the treasury, they failed to treasure Christ. And loved ones, it reminds me that we mustn't merely go through the motions. The Christian life is fixed, centered, rooted in, and founded upon Jesus Christ. So let us learn from Christ and love Christ. Let us seek Christ and serve Christ. Let us savor Christ and celebrate Christ. Let us trust Christ and treasure Christ. And let us trumpet Christ. And by this I mean, let us testify to Christ. You know, this whole passage is about testimony. It's about witness. So see and hear Christ's witness and witness about Christ yourself. Tell others who he is and what he's done. And when he's done in your life, tell those in the church and those outside the church. Tell those who know Jesus and those who don't yet know Jesus. This morning we were praying and one of the guys around the circle, one of the people around the circle said, said Lord, may we just again be struck by the call to reach the lost to testify to Christ. I was talking with Bill Haggerty this week. Bill and his family, they're traveling this weekend, but I was talking with him this week and he reminded me about the power of personal testimony. We met over at Jack's Urban Eats. Ate lunch together. And we encouraged each other with testimony. 
We spoke about the unique blessing of a personal testimony, right? I mean, what a blessing it is to hear others speak about who God is and what God is doing in their lives. God brings people in our lives to testify to His presence and power, and it reminds us that God is alive and well and working good in and through the circumstances of life. We hear testimonies like that of Ron Archer or the others in the Gideon ministry and does that not encourage you in the Lord, even bringing some of us to tears? Does it not remind us that, that God changes lives? Does it not remind us that our God reigns that He redeems what was lost and broken? Of course it does. And listen, God sends us into others' lives to remind them of the same. You have a story to share. You can testify to the presence and power of God. Yours is a testimony of God's love and forgiveness and healing of reconciliation and restoration and renewal of protection and preservation of salvation and sanctification of hope and life and newness of life day by day. For if you know Jesus, then you have experienced these things firsthand. Listen to me. Do not miss this. You are a walking miracle of God as I like to say, you are a trophy of God's redeeming grace to proclaim to the world the glory of God, what God can do in a life. So trumpet Christ. Treasure and trumpet Jesus. He is light from God, sent by God, because He is God. Therefore, let the witness of Christ inspire your own as you walk in and shine forth the light of life. Amen. Father, as always, you've been very, very good to us this morning. Thank you again for meeting with us and really walking us through your word. Thank you for helping us to understand it and to live according to its truth. Thank you for the grace that is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we live by grace to the glory of your great name today and every day for Christ's sake. Amen.